This is episode 47 of season three of the Runner Girls podcast. On tonight's show, we'll be talking with Samantha from the documentary Desert Runners. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan, and this is season three of Runner Girls, three women brought together by love of running who are training to run a 5K in 30 minutes or less. Yes, and we really do love running, <laughs> despite yes. the fact that we didn't do any last week. Hopefully that'll change sooner rather than later. I know I'm looking forward to getting back out there. Meanwhile, back here, it is roasting again. <laughs> <laughs> Summer's back. I thought fall was coming, but no, today we had a day that was upper 80s, probably pushing 90s, um, which is warm for Maine for August. Sure, yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to getting back out there, but at the same time, I'm hoping that it cools down a little first, <laughs> because at this time, I don't think I'm acclimated anymore to the heat, so... I don't know. It's going to be a struggle anyway once I do get back out there because it's going to feel like starting over from the beginning. I just know it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Katie, you were saying last week that it was getting pretty warm in South Carolina once you returned from Kentucky. Is that still true? It is. Today was kind of our first day of reprieve from the heat. Of course, everybody goes back to school and, hey, summer's back. (laughs) Um, So, on Friday... Friday, it was actually over 100 degrees in most places down here. Oh my goodness. And with the humidity, of course, that increases the heat index. So there was heat advisories, heat warnings out all over um, the area in which I live. So it's been a fun week (laughs) (laughs) roasting in the sun. Yeah. I noticed like the change in temperature of just 10 degrees is crazy like today I'm at work and I'm like what is that smell oh my god it's me (laughs) like oh this is disgusting I don't I don't want this anymore (laughs) yes very very hot and we when we talk about training and running that definitely played a factor in my race on Saturday (laughs) oh right races can't wait to hear about that um and both of you I guess are back at school now and uh kids are back at school Yeah. So, who wants to talk about that first? (laughs) (laughs) Megan, go for it. Um, If I don't murder sixth graders, it'll be an amazing year. (laughs) Okay. Well, last year was an amazing year then, right? Yeah, I didn't murder anybody. (laughs) Um, I just have another class of 30 sixth graders. They're my longest period of the day. I get them for 10 extra minutes over lunch. Mm, exciting. What? Why? why? Yeah. How? I mean, how? How can they do that to your lunch? Well, it's even greater because I teach them for thirty minutes, and then they go to lunch for thirty minutes, and then I come back and teach them again for thirty minutes. Can? I... Sorry, I just want to make general accusations against the state of Florida, but I won't. <laughs> It's so all the classes get 30-minute lunches, and they only have one period for it, so that class gets an extra 10 minutes. And 
sixth graders, they try to hide them, so sixth grade gets a lunch all by itself, and they always put it in the middle. Hmm. Don't know why, but that's the way it goes. Um, they can be really sweet kids. Can be not... is the key there. <laughs> yeah, just not when we're trying to give them a writing test mm. for a baseline. Um, I'm. It's gonna be a good year, though. It is. Good. <laughs> Ending on a positive note. Yes. And um, I like my other classes though. The sixth graders are just coming in really kind of wild. Yeah. And testing all their limits because it's their first time and they think I should just let them use the bathroom like it's still in the classroom. They're like, I have to use the bathroom. Okay, good. They're like, I have to use the bathroom. I'm like, I know. Like, what do you want me to do about it? You can't. And then they think asking you 15 times is going to change your answer. So you, <laughs> can you not just give them a bathroom pass or is it an excuse? I don't. Well, part of it's an excuse, but we also tell them you can use it on the way to lunch because we 30 minutes is the max they'd have to wait and then on the way to lunch they could all stop and go yeah they chose they choose not to and then they come back from lunch immediately and go i need to use the bathroom no you don't need to use the bathroom you should have used it when i told you to use it like well however long ago as the as the mother of a um incoming sixth grader (laughs) um I apologize on behalf of all sixth graders. <laughs> I do ask her all the time if she needs to go. <laughs> well, as you know, I'm want to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's just because we tell them when to go and then they're just like, but I want to go now. It's like, you have a test to work on. You can wait the 10 minutes before mm-hmm. the class goes. Use it in your passing period. All their classes are in one hallway that the bathroom is at the end of. And they're like, I didn't have enough time. <laughs> I'm like, you had to walk down the hallway. What do you mean you didn't have enough time to use the bathroom? Is it okay to say um, after you're done your test you can go? Yeah, but then she got so distracted asking me to use the bathroom, she didn't do her test. Oh. So, okay. you know, just one of those things where it was, and the kids just were talkative. Like, it wasn't important. So, um, I'm, I'm glad that everything's back to normal school-wise and uh you were sick last week so how are you feeling this week are you doing better now that you had that dose of antibiotics i am doing a lot better my cough is still a little bit here so if it doesn't finally go away in the next couple of days i think i'm going to have to go back to the doctor Mm. but i have high hopes for feeling better yes we all have high hopes for you (laughs) So, um, it'll be okay. Okay. I have a trip out of town this weekend, so I'm excited about that. Any place fun? Savannah. Oh, so jealous. It's lots of fun. I hope you enjoy it so much, Megan. I'm sure it'll be fun. Nice. Well, um, Katie, how about you? How are things going with, um, school being back in session? We are slowly but surely adjusting to proper behavior while in the classroom (laughs) um it's strange there's not really that big of a difference between sixth graders and 10th graders but it's been really good so far i'm hoping that it continues to stay that way 
just really big classes. Like I mentioned on last week's show, I have 35 now in first block, 30 in third block, and 35 in fourth block. So I have 101 children this semester, and that definitely keeps me on my toes. But like I said, they've all been pretty well behaved up until this point, and we're just now really kind of getting into the meat and potatoes of the first unit um, while they shuffled everybody around those first three days. So fingers crossed it continues to go well. I'm really, really hoping that it will because with 35 to 1, my odds aren't good if it doesn't. (laughs) Well, as the mother of an incoming um, high school student, (laughs) I hope that it all goes well for you. Thank you, sir. And that my child doesn't create any problems for his teachers. I'm sure he would never do that. Yeah, um, not much new going on here, except my kids are both going into new schools. My daughter, as I mentioned or implied, is going into um, middle school, and my son is going into high school, and his orientation is tomorrow, and I'm trying to wrap my head around having a kid in high school (laughs) (laughs) and he's waving at me right now he's he just came out here for I don't know what reason but you know I'm sure he didn't have a pass for it Um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah things are things are going well they're they're good kids we had a um we had an awesome summer I mean we didn't do as much as we normally would like to do we didn't really do any vacations or any camping this summer but we got to visit family um and we got to uh, go to the beach, which was nice. Anna had her 11th birthday celebration at the beach with a bunch of her friends, and the kids went away last weekend to Jeff's brother's house, um, actually, for the whole week. And so I got the house in order and got everything clean and pretty and got into a system. I have a system of how I'm going to keep the house clean on a daily basis from now on. And I'm realizing as the kids are home that that is crap. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just impossible. Because, like, I clean the kitchen, I clean the bathroom, and I, like, an hour later I go into the bathroom and it's a mess again because they had to wash their hands for dinner. And then um, after dinner I, I clean up, take care of everything, go back into the bathroom, and it's a mess again because I had to take showers. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot. And as someone who cleans for a living, you'd think I would be on top of this. <laughs> but um, it's a little different when you have to clean just once a week or twice a week or whatever versus um, having to keep up with it every single day after you've already been cleaning all day long. Sure. So, um, so that's my struggle, but it's really not. I mean, the house looks great, and I'm happy, and they're good kids, and they help out. So I can't complain too much. But I am looking forward to having um, some a little extra free time during the day again when I can maybe do some running when I'm up to it. And I hope that will be soon. So that brings me to the question that we have to ask every week. How's your training been going? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you girls both had races last week. Um, I'll make my training short. I didn't do crap. Um, still having a little bit of soreness. It's really just a little itty bitty bitty itty teeny bit. Um, but I am so like scared of running at all that I've just, you know, I'm just waiting till there's absolutely nothing before I even attempt anything. So I haven't done anything this week. Um, 
Katie, you had a, was it a 5K race that was going on uh, it was. this weekend? Mm-hmm. Great. Did you get any running in before your 5K? I did not. <laughs> okay. How did the 5K go? It was very hot and very slow. Um, like I said, on Friday, it was over 100 degrees in most places in my area. And then the race started Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning. They were also doing a breakfast for everybody beforehand, but they moved it to after the race in order to try to get it finished before the heat really kicked in. So when we started at 8 o'clock in the morning, it was already 82 degrees with the heat index of 87. Oh. Um, yeah. So it was very, very hot, very miserable. Lots of walking was happening. And what um, race was this? This was the Children's Recovery Center 5K. It was raising money for um, an organization here locally that works with kids in need in okay. the two counties, um, nice. Ori and Georgetown County. So there was actually a really good turnout. It wasn't um, a huge race by any means, but there was uh, a really good turnout for what we usually see for our local races. I think that was because a lot of people came out just to kind of support the race and just walk it, especially with the extreme temperatures that would been we'd been having. Not as many people were actually kind of running this competitively. It was just more of an event, fundraising event mm -hmm. uh, to participate in. So, like I said, lots of walking was happening. Thankfully, it had a a lot of shade on the course so I tried to run in that as much as possible and there were a couple of points where I felt like instead of stopping to walk for a minute or two I could have continued running but at the same time I felt so warm and so hot and just that sticky hot humid air that I didn't want to push it and make myself sick or you know do something that could potentially harm me so I, I stopped and I cooled off for a few minutes and then I went back to running so I'm really going to sound like a wimp when we talk to our guest tonight about running in the desert <laughs> <laughs> I am not acclimated for that at all um, I finished with a really really depressing time of 43-16 uh, but it was the first running that I had done in what two weeks almost almost three I guess and it was still good enough for third in my age group so that tells you how hot and just slow that that oppressive heat made everybody wow yeah well congratulations on the age group award oh well thank you I guess an award is an award no matter what right oh yeah you totally earned that I'm sure you busted <laughs> your butt out there on the heat I think I was like I, I think I was third out of six in my age group. So, you know, mediocre right there in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but the only age group I ever got the age group awards, and I did, they weren't awards because in the races where I achieved second and third, they were mm -hmm. only giving awards to, like, the top winner of the age group. Oh, um, man. And in each of those cases, I was, like, the lowest. <laughs> so when I got second place it was because there was only two people in my age group so oh. I've never come like second out of a list of six or third right you just so, gotta find some some more races Sue that give away more awards you don't think I've been trying <laughs> <laughs> you're like that's on my criteria list now come yeah. on small yeah absolutely totally <laughs> so how do you feel about your race Katie 
Well, like I said, it's it's probably the slowest 5K time for a race that I've turned in in several years. But I know that it was a combination of me not running and the weather. So, I, I mean, if you don't put in the work, what do you expect? Yeah. And, and that's kind of the way I felt about it. It was sad <laughs> to see my time. But at the same time, I went out there and I got it done. I got three miles that I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't do the race. And most of the other people running or walking on Saturday were in the exact same position that I was. You know, that oppressive heat and humidity was really taking a toll on everybody. So I tried to not beat myself up about it too much and just used it as kind of a baseline to kick off my half marathon training plan and go from there. We are only going up or down in time. <laughs> How was the breakfast? Um, it was good. They <laughs> offered it at one of the local restaurants. It This was uh, in a place called Merle's Inlet, which is right along uh, the Marsh Walk. It's a really nice little area. It's much more residential than the rest of Myrtle Beach because this is kind of south from what everybody thinks of as Myrtle Beach. So you've got a lot of the streets that are lined with the live oaks and, you know, people who have been there, a fishing community for generations and generations. So it is a really nice place. I love to go down there and visit and and um, always go down there to do some eating out whenever the family comes into town because they do have the smaller hole-in-the-wall locally owned restaurants that are amazing so it was a very pretty course it was just so hot that you didn't really focus on that you were just like oh please don't let me drop out in the middle of the road that would be bad <laughs> yeah um, it would be but you had really nice views of the marsh really nice views of the creek and uh it was an out and back course and then they did the award ceremony with breakfast after the race when everybody had finished great yeah do you have any more races coming up soon, uh, local 5Ks, or are you just getting back into your half marathon training? My next race isn't until the 20th of September. Um, that'll be the annual beach sweep 5K that I do where you run on the sand. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm in, in the positive light again, that's usually one that brings me an age group award because everybody's like, that's crazy. Who wants to do that? Right. And this year they're changing it up a little bit. They're structuring it more as a cross country course rather than running on the sand the whole time because in North Myrtle Beach, they've built a new recreational and sports facility, which they're really trying to market. Mm -hmm. So we'll be running through that instead of on the sand for most of the time. Great. So yeah. that'll switch it up a little bit anyway. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's going to be really hard to complain about running on the sand after tonight's episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Just knowing like who we're going to be talking to and what she attempted to do. Yeah, it definitely gives perspective to the one race that I ran where one mile of it was on the sand that I absolutely hated. So Definitely. Um, Clearly, you are tougher than me, Katie, because I have never done a full race on the beach. Cause that just that sounds brutal. But you, I don't know, maybe you're a little bit of a, what is it, a masochist? Somebody who tortures <laughs> themselves? I enjoy the pain of the race on the sand. <laughs> I wouldn't think that that would be true about you, but you do like the toughest 
five Ks that <laughs> seem to be in your area. So kudos to you for attempting that. Oh well, thank you. Maybe <laughs> there's some kind of subconscious thing happening. <laughs> so what's on the schedule for this week? This week I have three other runs scheduled because I counted the 5K race as um, one of the days of running for my training plan. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow I have three miles. Thursday I have three miles. Friday is cross training. And then long run Saturday. It says five miles. I'm going to shoot for four to five because they do um, five miles also again next week. So I feel like as long as I can get four, maybe four and a half under my belt, I'll be really happy with that going into next week's training. Right. It's been a while since you've done a run over three miles anyway, right? Exactly. Yeah, This because the last few runs that I had completed in Kentucky had been one and a half, two miles, two and a half. When I completed the 5K race this Saturday, that was the first time I'd run three miles in a while. So wow. slowly but surely working my way back. Great. Well, I can't wait to hear how that goes for you next week. Thanks. So, Megan, you also had a race this week. I did. And did you get any running in before your race? You didn't seem like you thought you would have the time. I did not. Okay. So, I was still trying to recover from sickness and rest. Yeah. And um, my race went really well. Okay. So, what my... race... It was the last of my watermelon series. Oh, right, right. And um, it was a 5K, and I had my fastest time all summer for a 5K. Yay! Awesome. Not my fastest. This was not a PR by any stretch. But <laughs> PR it was for this my year. fastest time for this summer, yes. Okay. At like 35.02. Nice. And that was after not running for about five weeks. So I was really proud of that. Definitely. I am. You blew me out of the water. Good job. I ran the whole thing, which was really my goal. I just wanted to not stop. And so that's what I did. It didn't feel as hot. I think we had rained, so it's been a little bit cooler. Mm -hmm. I think Katie and I switched places this year. (laughs) Because I know I was warm, but I dumped water on my head at one point halfway through. I know I took a swallow, and then I, like went to dump it on my head and the lady at the aid station is just nodding at me like yeah do it (laughs) like I wasn't going to (laughs) and um so I did that and that made the rest of the um race better good and so it sounds like you're very happy about that race yeah which is good um and how are you feeling about moving forward with your half marathon because I know you had a little bit of a question about whether you were going to continue with the one that you were originally planning on doing I guess I'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) are you planning on training (laughs) yes I am planning on training I was just looking at my training plan um I don't know if I'm gonna do intermediate still okay just because that's um really intensive for not having really run the past five weeks I would say that is a good call because doing speed work without the aerobic base I don't think that's a good idea just having been injured doing speed work exactly and so that's why I think I'm going to go back to the novice 2 which I have done before Mm -hmm. and it cuts down on the days of running too it only has me run four days a week and that's Hal Higdon right yeah okay 
and so no speed work and that would only put me running one two 13 miles this week instead of the almost 20 I think it would have been right and um I might not get my long run in this week because I'll be out of town right so um but it has me running three miles Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then a four mile run on Saturday yeah even if you don't get to that four miles if you did the other three mile runs I think that would probably be very good going into the following week yeah, because then it's just three-mile runs again and then a five-mile run. Yeah. And so that would work out. Um, and I like running the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. I really do, and I might just move my long runs to Sundays instead of Saturdays. Nice. Because I always feel weird to do long runs on Saturdays when I race on Sundays. And why do today what you can do tomorrow, right? <laughs> Actually... <laughs> Happy hours are on Friday, so I can't do that and go to my long run Saturday morning. Yeah. No, better to not run dehydrated and hungover. As we know from experience. Yes. Learning. <laughs> if I can rearrange my schedule, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just giving you a hard time because I can't run. So <laughs> So I'm I'm kinda jealous that you can and I'm like I would do if it I on can Saturday. Very well. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of proud that I uh, I forgot to do my inhaler, and I only remembered as I was, um, you know, walking away from my car with about five minutes left to get to the start. Right. That was the other part. I was on time to this one with Good. like ten minutes to spare. Nicely done. No, I know that was the first race this summer. I've been that early too. And um, <laughs> but I was walking away from my car, and I was like, oh man, my inhaler's in there. I'm like, I don't have enough time to go back to my car and go back to the race start, so it'll be okay. <laughs> and it was. And you got the fastest time you've had all summer. Yeah, I was really um, proud of that. I just kept pushing. I was like, I'll just keep running. And then I passed people finishing, which I think is my favorite thing to do now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you're looking forward to your next week of training? Yes, I am. All right. Can't wait to hear about that. So that was it for our training. Up next, we have our interview with Samantha from the documentary Desert Runners. So tonight we are talking with Samantha, one of the four runners from the documentary Desert Runners, who challenged themselves to run 1,000 kilometers total across four deserts in one year. The four ultra races took place in the Atacama Desert in Chile, the Gobi Desert in China, the Sahara in Egypt, and the last desert in the most inhospitable climate of the world, Antarctica. Samantha, a law student from Australia, began this ultra-endurance feat with the goal of becoming both the first woman and the youngest person to complete all four deserts in one year. And I thought my running goals were too ambitious. <laughs> Welcome to Runner Girls Podcast, Samantha. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well. Um, did I get all that right about the races? Uh, yeah, you did. You know, there were four races in the, in the hottest, coldest, driest and windiest deserts on earth. And yeah, I did it in 2010. And it was like the very beginning of my ultra running experience. So it was a pretty, pretty intense way to start off. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Um, none of us are ultra runners. I think we're all still 
kind of consider ourselves novices here. We just started running in the past few years. So I'm curious to hear how you got into running. How long ago did you start? You know, I did, you know, I always ran a little bit. I'm, I'm not coordinated in the slightest. So um, ball sports wasn't really something that I was great at. So when I was in high school, I would do cross country um, pretty much as the sport that I could do and also my outlet from studying. So whenever I became a bit ratty at home, my mum's like, go out, go for a run. And I live like, I live, well, my parents' home is right near a, a lake. And, you know, at night time, kangaroos are jumping by. And it's, it's really quite a beautiful place to just release and let go. So for me, I never really did much road running, but I did quite a bit of trail running. And so a couple of years into my university degree, I decided to do a marathon. And I think things just changed really quickly from there for me. That's when I, when I did the marathon, I really struggled from the 32 kilometer point, mm-hmm. um, which is what that section that everyone calls, you know, hitting the wall. And I hit it in a big way. And I really relied on the strength of a good girlfriend who I was running with at the time to coax me through the final section. Um, but it, it made me kind of realize that I suppose it made me question that if she wasn't there, would I, would I have been mentally strong enough to finish? And I think I thought I probably wouldn't. And so I really wanted to put myself completely out of my comfort zone to start to become mentally and physically stronger as an individual. And that's why I decided to get into ultra running. Yeah, uh, that's really fascinating. When I watched the documentary, you said you went from running your first marathon to running the Four Deserts uh, Grand Slam just a year later. So I was oh, super yeah. curious, like, what did you do in that time between? And then how did you oh. prepare for the Desert Grand Slam? Well, I don't think I did the right things, to be honest. <laughs> you know, people talk about natural progression, um, but then there's a lot of people who do ultra marathon running and there's no such thing as natural progression. Um, and I suppose that makes the challenge a little bit harder for them. But I did the marathon and I, when I decided to do this, uh, this ultra marathon series, they're multi-stage racing. So the first four days of these races is a marathon. And then the fifth day is an ultra marathon. And an yeah. ultra marathon is anything over a marathon distance. Uh, and so for me, as much as it was about doing an ultra marathon, the bigger challenge was how do you back up multiple days of running long distances in really inhospitable uh, environments whilst carrying everything that you require for that entire period in a pack on your back? So for me, I really started to, I'm a big researcher. So as you kind of said, like I'm, at the time I was a law student, you know, I'm a lawyer by trade. And for me, I think preparation is like the key. And so I would research how to make my pack as light as it could possibly be. Um, so how could I have the most calorie dense food that was in the lightest form? Uh, and then how could I consume certain things that would enable my body to recover better for the next day? And what could I wear that might also help with my recovery process? So I did, a, I mean, I did a lot of research, but when it came to the actual training component, I think I just, I had no idea what to do. You know, obviously I was very inexperienced as a runner. Uh, so I just, I made it up. Like I, and a lot of the stuff, it's about feeling secure in the things that you're doing. So I, I think I felt secure in a lot of wrong things. But you know, it, it's a, these racings are about your mind game. So if your mind feels confident, then you can physically perform pretty well. 
Um, you might not be able to optimize and be the best runner, but you can, you know, you can fool yourself into thinking you can be a good runner. So I, yeah, I, I did a lot of wrong stuff. I'm obviously a lot more prepared, prepared and aware now as a runner. Um, but hey, that takes time. <laughs> Samantha, I have your next question. How do you survive running in the desert? What did you bring with you? What did I bring with me? Well, I really like salt and vinegar crisps. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that I obviously needed these really calorie dense food that probably had a high level of you know salt in them because when you're in the desert you sweat a lot so you're losing a lot of salts uh, but you also need to reward yourself so when I finished like I survived by knowing that I had a nice packet of salt and vinegar chips <laughs> to be had to eat afterwards that I crunched up and basically they were just like a I put them in a Ziploc bag um, and I would just shovel them in my mouth so I survived with that little mental treat um, I also survived, I suppose, by knowing, you know, how much fluid my body needed to have when I was doing the runs. I mean, I wore the same clothes every day for these races for five days in a row. I smelt terrible. Like, it was, like my personal hygiene was at an all-time low. Um, but you just, it's amazing when you do these things, you just break down your boundaries of what you think is important and you get a new sense of perspective and I think that enables you to to kind of cope with the harshness of what you're doing. So you ran in the four different deserts and how were they different from each other if they were? Yeah, yeah, they definitely were. So Atacama was the first race and that was in Chile and that was in the driest desert on earth. And that was landscape wise and the terrain that we ran on, that was very challenging. Um, we were running on salt flats and salt flats are, I mean, I think the best way of describing it is like harsh coral. And sometimes if you st st stepped on the piece of coral, it would break and your foot would sink. Or other times you would step on it and it wouldn't break. So you kind of were treading over it. You just, every step was a surprise, a kind of surprise <laughs> treat. And you didn't know what it would be. Um, and if you've seen the film, you probably realize that I'm a control freak and I like to have things planned out. So that, that was challenging for me. <laughs> uh, then the next race was China, and that was the Gobi Desert. And what surprised me about the Gobi Desert, for the first few days of the race, it was very mountainous and very green. And I, I was surprised because I was expecting like a more traditional-looking desert. Uh, so that was, that was really hard. And it was very windy there, and, but also it was very, very hot. Uh, I think on the long day, it got up to, you know, 50 degrees um, Celsius, you know, 120 Fahrenheit. So that really... <laughs> It was, it, was, it was stifling. And then the Sahara is actually what you expect the Sahara to be like. That was the true desert in my mind. Um, it was very hot. Uh, there was sand everywhere. You felt so isolated at times because it was nothing but you and sand for as far as you could see. But I think that's quite magical as well because it, it gives you this perspective of how insignificant we are as human beings. And I think that's kind of cool. And then Antarctica was what you would expect it to be like, you know, snow, penguins going around. Um, it was, and it was really cold, very, very, very cold. So th th they were very unique, each of the deserts. I didn't mean to laugh when you said that the Sahara was magical, 
But um, <laughs> Katie and I were talking about the times when we both ran really, really short distances on beach sand and how incredibly frustrating and difficult that is. So for you to describe it as magical, um, <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around, especially for hundreds of miles. Yeah, well, you, you just, I, I can't explain because if, if you said to me, you know, five years ago, would I ever see myself being able to kind of navigate my way through a, a race of that length on foot? I just would have said no way. Uh, but when you're in it, uh, even if you're very inexperienced, you just see that other people around you, they also have no idea. And so, and the fact that people survive every day doing it in these races makes you realize that we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit to do. Absolutely. I just, I mean, the distance alone is incredible, but then you throw in the heat and then the running through the sand thing. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm beyond it was, words. It, 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 it was, sometimes the sand was hard packed. I mean, yes, yeah. yeah, sometimes it was, you know, quite soft and, and, and lush and annoyingly challenging. But like many times it was, I think when we think of a desert, we think of very, very soft sand yeah. consistently, and it wasn't like that. So it made it easier to go through at times. Okay, sure. So if you want to sign up, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll take my time with that one. <laughs> so um, of the four deserts, which one was your favorite or the least hated, I guess? Why? Yeah, I, I didn't hate any. I, there was moments where I found that I was mentally um, weaker. And I think, I mean, I, I suppose inherent in all of them is like a lot of challenges. But when you start to let those challenges overwhelm your mind, such as the heat overwhelm your mind, everything becomes harder. Um, and your, your biggest, I suppose, enemy out in these environments is yourself um, and your mind. So for me, I found China very challenging. Uh, just because there were so many unknowns in that race. And I, I, I mean, I've said it a few times in different interviews, but I definitely had romanticized my first race. And so I finished it and I was like, I had this distance from it. And then I was like, oh yeah, the deserts, they're just so amazing. And I found myself out in them. Let me go and do three more of them in the next year. <laughs> and then I get to China and I'm like, oh my God, this sucks. And it's really hard. <laughs> and that's the windiest, right? Yeah, it's the windiest. And there were so many hills. And I was like, I'm not a mountain runner. And I'm now like going up this mountain face. So it really shocked me. And I that was a moment when I found myself being very mentally weak and I needed to really kind of get through that and accept the fact that I've chosen to, to do an activity that is filled with surprises. Uh, and then once I kind of got my head around the un that the unknown is a good thing and I should I enjoy it, um, I did enjoy it. But you just have to sometimes, you know, you have to kind of flip your mentality around to cope with it. Well, kudos to you for being able to get yourself into that headspace when you needed to because I've been yeah. in far less challenging races where I, I didn't get to that point. So, um, But I had no choice. I was in the middle of the desert. If I didn't right. get myself in it, the, like, it's, it's the wor what's the worst of two evils? Pushing yourself to survive it or telling yourself to stick in a really bad headspace and sure. then, you know, your only option of kind of get it pulling out is 
you know, basically watching everyone else finish the race for the next few days. And that's not my idea of fun at all. No. And letting down yourself and all the people who, yeah, you know, 100%. Yeah. I, I really think that speaks to, I guess, the kind of people that we are who we feel like we need to challenge ourselves in these ways. And, and you certainly far greater challenges that, than we have attempted so far. But, but you know what? Like, I just feel like, um, you know, whenever I do a talk or I speak about this, I think people try and compare, you know, what their goal is with the fact that I've done, you know, a 250K race. But it, it, it doesn't matter. Everyone has their own um, personal goal. And I think the best thing is to kind of not compare yourself to what someone else chooses is their excitement or their passion. I think at the end of the day, you do the things that you love to do. It doesn't matter if they are a mammoth thing or they're a smaller thing. As long as you are connected to it and you pursue it with, you know, goodwill and faith and excitement, and that's all that matters. And that's if it's a 10K, a 5K, you know, a marathon, an ultra, or if it's got nothing to do with running whatsoever, I think, you know, the principles behind it are the same. I absolutely agree. I feel like I have a lot of um, goals that, when I first think of them, seem way too ambitious for me. Um, and at the same time, I know that watching desert runners, there's no way I'm ever going to even want to do that. And that's okay. Yeah. And I am completely okay with that. So, um, so I think that's really interesting. So Katie, did you have some questions too? Yeah, I've got a few more here for you as well, Samantha. Um, cool. now, now that it's all said and done and you've accomplished the goal, would you go back and do it again? Would you run any of the specific deserts again? Uh, not at this point in time. I mean, I'm doing a lot of other things in, I suppose, the running context right now that, you know, I, I don't need to go back out and do the, those specific runs. You know, what I love so much about them is they're a new, that they were new settings to me and I really love adventure and exploration. So I like to go to different places. I mean, I head out to South Africa uh, next month and I'm running two and a half thousand kilometers across the country. Wow. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm running on average or a bit less than, just a bit less than two marathons a day for 32 days. Wow. And I'm using that run as a, I suppose, a mechanism to be able to raise funds and awareness to establish with Save the Children, um, which is a charity, uh, a social enterprise business. And that business is going to gainfully employ a dozen South African women to manufacture affordable feminine hygiene products. So I'm not sure if you girls are aware, but in South Africa and you know sub-Saharan Africa as well as in regions in, in Asia, girls won't go to school when they have their periods because they can't afford feminine hygiene products. So for me, you know, living in a country where that's, it's really a non-issue, I mean, the most we use our periods as an excuse for something is to not do swimming. Um, right, yeah, getting out of gym class. Exactly, and then we communicate that story with our teachers. So the idea that girls in you know in, in parts of this world don't even understand that you know menstruation is a, a normal part of life and it's something that's okay that they these girls use whatever they can find to kind of clean themselves up rubbish um, rags and then they just don't go to school because they don't understand the process or that education is important so that's what I'm doing this run for for 32 days um, with the UK runner um, yeah, so I suppose my, my running's taken a slightly different um, direction 
and it's about finding ways of connecting other things that I care about with something I also care a lot about, which is running. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, like you said, for us, it's a non-issue. It's not something that we would even think about would be a concern. So to know that there are girls in other parts of the world that um, don't even have the luxury, and not even a luxury, I mean, necessity of feminine yeah. hygiene products. For I sure. Mean, I, I mean, I, de- I definitely think feminine hygiene products are um, an, a fundamental. Yeah. And there's 60% of South Africans that can't afford traditional um, feminine hygiene products. Wow. And then, yeah, so the, just the, here's like a few little stats of cost. It, it, you know, it cost US $2 for a pack of 10 sanitary pads. And I think around 30 to 33% of South Africans earn less than US $1 a day. So the, the, obviously, if you kind of do that comparison, there's just not enough. It's not going to be a priority. Um, and so it turns what is a sensitive topic because obviously even in the US and Australia and the UK, like we don't openly talk about our periods, but in these countries it then becomes a taboo issue because they can't even afford the solution to it. Well, that makes me want to send them all mine. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds like a, a really great cause to support. So we will um, definitely include a link to that in our show notes. Is that freedomrunners.org? Correct. Okay. And I think Katie has a couple more questions for you. So we briefly talked a little bit about experiences that you had in all of these deserts and the different runs that you'd done, but what is one thing that you could say you learned from this experience that you hadn't been able to get before? Oh, I think I just have a sense of what's important to me now. Um, I think when I was starting up to do those races, uh, you know, I was studying to be a law student and I was going to work in a corporate law firm and it seemed like the right path, but it's not, I suppose I've learned over time that that wasn't particularly important to me. Um, I'm always much more interested in the not-for-profit sector uh, and I'm very much, I like to know big picture things. So working as a, you know, a corporate lawyer, you know kind of little components of abstract ideas. Uh, so for me, doing these races and really testing myself mentally and physically you really think about what's important and hopefully you have the ability and the belief within yourself to pursue those things that's awesome that's that's definitely a way to make you realize it right <laughs> like you said what, what's sure. the worst case scenario either push yourself to finish it or just stay in that negative headspace so I'm I'm glad that you found Completely. the positive inspiration yeah and then you said your next goal is to complete the race in South Africa, correct? Yeah, well, it's not a race. It's just an, it's an expedition. So I'm just okay. running with another lady. Um, we've set it up. You know, the parameters are something we've defined. We, we've worked out the route. Um, it's quite a navigationally challenged uh, trail. So, yeah, we, we head out very, very shortly to begin that. And what's the distance on that? It's two and a half, or 2,350 kilometers. Oh, right, right, right. That's like almost traversing the United States. <laughs> That's crazy. It's a bit less, um, but it's quite far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so do you have a website where people can find out more about your running adventures? And then uh, where can people find the movie? Yeah, so you can, um, on com. there's you know information on there uh, about kind of the things that I do. 
obviously freedomrunners.org is where all the information about my project in South Africa, but and desertrunnersmovie.com uh, is where you can find out stacks of information about desert runners. All right, great. Um, well, I am very excited for people to check it out. I know I definitely enjoyed it. It was completely captivating from start to finish. I was rooting for you the whole way, just so you know. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. And thank you for joining us tonight. This was fascinating. Oh, my pleasure. Oh, great. Well, thank you for staying up late and talking to me. No problem. Have a good night, Samantha. All right. Bye. 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 All right. So that was a great interview with Samantha from Desert Runners. Up next, we have Runner Girl Recommends. So, Katie, what is your recommend this week? My recommend this week is something new that I found at the grocery store, tried and loved. I am a big fan of sparkling water. Lots of people think it's gross. I like it because it gives you that little extra fizz without the added calories. Mm -hmm. And this is called sparkling ice waters. So you get the, the fizz. But then it also has a little bit of added flavor. It comes in lots of different varieties. Things like cherry limeade and strawberry watermelon. My personal favorite, peach nectarine, is delicious. Mm. So um, try these if they're at your local grocery store. They usually run specials on them where you can get like five for a dollar a piece, five for five dollars, something like that. Um, I found them at my Kroger. But they're really good. Uh, The flavor in them is really spot on because so many times, especially in water, it can taste a little off, you know, artificial sweetness or watered down Mm. flavor. But this is good. With the fizz, it really, really has a nice flavor to it. So if it sounds like something you would be interested in and you like sparkling water on its own, give this a try. It's really good. So I don't know anything about sparkling water. But mm-hmm. Jeff drinks seltzer waters. What's the difference between sparkling water and seltzer waters? Or do you know? Is it the same? Honestly, I have no idea. Like, okay. I drink Perrier and Pellegrino a lot. It's flavored carbonated water, right? Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's the same as seltzer water. Okay. Maybe we just have a different name for it up here. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. You either love it or hate it. Yeah. Team. I think if, if there's a sweetener in it, I might like it, but I'm kind of um, sensitive to artificial sweeteners, so really it would just have to be sugar water straight up, Right. <laughs> in which case it would be soda. Right. So, uh-huh. But for people who like seltzer water or sparkling water, sounds like this is a pretty good tasting brand. And is it sweetened or is it not? It comes in all different varieties. There's like sparkling lemonades, sparkling waters. So just depending on what you get will determine if it's like really extra sweet or, or just flavored. Uh-huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I've seen, I think I've seen the ice waters before, so I'll have to check them out next time if I see them. Thank you for the recommend, Katie. Megan, what's your recommend tonight? My recommend this week is fun because I went to my local AT&T store yesterday and got a new phone. Nice. And um, I don't know if many of you knew. I don't know if I've talked about it on the show. You're an Android fan. Yes. And I had had a lovely cracked screen for about the last year. And so I finally got sick of it, especially when it started not charging anymore or taking three hours to charge 20%. 
I was like, oh, I need a new phone. <laughs> so you finally upgraded to an iPhone. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you at this point. I'm considering going Android. So. <laughs> See, I told you. I told you you would one day consider it. I ex actually upgraded to the most recent Galaxy, the S5. Nice. Because I fell in love with Galaxy having one and I couldn't imagine switching. I know the feeling. It's amazing. It's just so cool. They do a lot of little features that are neat. Like when you do, when somebody calls you, it tells me the last time I talked to that person and the last text they sent me. Hmm. That's just a cool feature to have, I think. So does that like show up on the screen when the phone is ringing or while you're on yes. the call with them? And while I'm on the call with them. Okay. So you could like look at something they sent you while you're on the phone with them or nice. for reference, like how many times has this person called me? Right. Right. Like, oh, is this a stalker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just how <laughs> I have talked to them since like October. Right. I mean, it's August now. That's a really bad example. But you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I just thought it was cool and I noticed it yesterday. I was like, oh, that's neat. I like it. So you're happy with your Galaxy S5? I am hugely happy, and I've only had it, like, 30 hours, so awesome. I can't imagine being unhappy. Well, give it a couple years. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever go iPhone, Sue. Sorry. That's all right. I'm not selling anybody on the iPhone at this point. I just feel like I'm locked into the system. <laughs> Katie, you know the feeling? Oh, yes. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. So, thanks for the recommend, Maggie. M Maggie? <laughs> Megan? <laughs> Galaxy X. I cannot talk now. Galaxy S5. I love it. So, my recommend this week is a TV program. And this shows my age, calling it a program. Um, I don't watch TV very often, but when I do... It's because it's an awesome show. So um, I'm a huge fan of Bear Grylls from his various um, shows that I've discovered on Netflix in the past. And um, right now he has a new show on, I want to say it's NBC, could be ABC. It's one of the BC shows. And um, it's called Running Wild Bear Grylls. And normally on the Bear Girls shows, he's just kind of like dropped off into the middle of nowhere and he shows you tips on how to survive basically a week in the middle of nowhere with just whatever you have in your backpack, which for him is any number of amazing things. But um, on this show in particular, he brings a celebrity with him. So <laughs> on the first show, he brought Zac Efron into the wild. On the second show, it was Channing Tatum. And then it was Ben Stiller. And then Tom Arnold. So not only is it thoroughly entertaining to see a celebrity completely out of their element and then trying to survive in the wild where Bear Girls has them rappelling down mountains and then traversing uh, like ravines and whatnot. Um, in addition to that, you get the comedic aspect <laughs> because a lot of these people like um, Ben Stiller was hilarious just to <laughs> see like his perspective on things like oh this is why I had to sign all those releases was right. one of the things he said in the first five minutes of the show so <laughs> I get it now <laughs> yeah so if you're 
someone who uh, likes the outdoors or appreciates the outdoors or is um, interested in survival skills or happens to just enjoy watching someone who's perfectly content to drink their own pee as a source of nutrients in the wild. Um, this is a great show to watch. Even if you're not someone who likes being outdoors, it's fun to see other people suffering sometimes. <laughs> um, so I highly recommend it. Running Wild with Bear Grylls. I have to admit, I watched this on Netflix over the weekend, watched some of the episodes, and it struck me how much Zac Efron and Channing Tatum especially were like little kids out in the woods. Yeah. They were just like bouncing off trees, having so much fun. It made me laugh. Mm. And, you know, they're not that bad to look at with their shirts off. So. <laughs> and they find, <laughs> they find reasons to take them off. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, you're, you know in a cave you should probably take your shirt off <laughs> yeah it's 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 definitely a good watch so check out running wild with bear girls up next we have run a girl of the week all right so megan who is our run a girl of the week this week our runner girl of the week is marianne and she had a long run of nine miles and she says, okay, so no carbs last night and nothing but coffee this morning before I headed out. Not a good idea. I did a three to one run walk since this would be my longest run in a while and wanted to save my knee. I was not prepared for the utter loss of energy after mile five. I pretty much walked the whole last four miles back to the car. Guess I learned a valuable lesson today. And I'm just thinking of how we've all had their runs like that where we didn't eat like we should have the night before and then we just want to get out there. And so we're like, oh, I'm just going to drink my coffee and then I'm going to go. Or I'm just going to have my water and then I'll go. Well, at least I have. Maybe not Sue because she's like magic runner. (laughs) Well, I I know better. I'm a planner. And then we, you know, get out there and we're like, oh, this run is awful. Why is this run so bad? And then you start thinking and you're like, oh, because last night I ate awful and then forgot to eat breakfast. That's why I'm walking five miles in. And Hmm. did she do nine miles without any fuel during the run? Because it it Um, sounds like she didn't have anything with her either. So, yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah, that might have something to do with loss of energy after mile five. I know that would be when I, either then or sooner, I would start taking some kind of energy source. So, um, good on her for holding up, doing four more after that. Yes, and I was, that's what, sticking it out and continuing to do it. Yeah. Although I guess if you park your car far away, you have to stick it out. But (laughs) That's a good strategy. Yeah. So awesome job, Marianne, and hopefully you are better prepared and fueled for your next run and hydrated. That'll be good, too. Yes, especially in the heat. Yes. All right. So just a reminder, we choose our runner girls from our Daily Mile feed. So if you'd like to friend us on Daily Mile and possibly be a future runner girl or guy, all of our Daily Mile links are on the sidebar of our website at runnergirlspodcast.com. And up next is Charity Challenge. So this year for the Runner Girls Charity Challenge, the cause that we will be supporting as voted on by the listeners on our Facebook page 
is Animal Rescue and the charity that we will be donating to specifically is the ASPCA, the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. The ASPCA works to rescue animals from abuse, pass humane laws, and share resources with shelters nationwide. Our goal is to raise $500 by the end of the charity challenge in December. So here's how it works. To enter the challenge, just donate $5 to the challenge and fill out the entry form at runnergirlspodcast.com slash charity challenge. You tell us which race you are planning to run this fall and your estimated finish time, and the three people who get closest to their goal time will win both a Runner Girls Tech Tee and a special Charity Challenge race medal. Everyone who enters the challenge will get a virtual race bib and a shout out on the show. In order to qualify for the prizes, though, you have to email us with your race results just so we can verify your time. And the three winners will be announced when the challenge ends in December. So if you want to enter, go to runnergirlspodcast.com slash charity challenge. And if you want to enter more than once, you can, but each entry must be for a different race. No submitting multiple times for the same race. So for more information and to enter the challenge, go to runnergirlspodcast.com slash charity challenge. I'm really excited for this. I can't wait to see uh, everybody's times and how they do. Um, I really enjoyed the challenge last year and hopefully we'll do even better this year. So definitely stay tuned for more information and think about which fall race you are planning to run and how fast you think you can run it in. So the other little bit of show news that we wanted to discuss tonight is regarding our decision on last week's show to remove seasons one and two from our podcast feed to make room for more episodes of season three. But just a reminder, you will still be able to get seasons one and two on the website at runnergirlspodcast.com. I have already uploaded a zip file for each of season one and season two, but they are fairly large files. So if you want to download those now before they um, come off the feed, you can do that as a zip file and then save them to your computer. Or you can right now go to iTunes and still download all of the past episodes if you want to download them individually. I'm working to get them all up individually on the website, but that's going to take quite a bit more time because we have quite a bit of shows to upload. So um, right now they're available in zip files for each of the seasons, um, but you can still get them on iTunes until September, which I think is next week, (laughs) September. Yeah. Get them now if you want to have them now, just to be sure that you have them. Um, But as of September, only Season 3 will be available on the podcast feed. And we'll um, make another announcement on Facebook and Twitter just to make sure everybody gets the message. Um, But that's it for our show this week. And just to close us out, I have a quote that um, I just, I saw it on Pinterest and I loved it. And it's, We lose ourselves in the things that we love, and we find ourselves there too. And that's by Kristen Martz. And I just thought that's really sweet because you know when you really get into something that you love and you just lose track of everything else, everything else just disappears. Um, And you find yourself there too in that you find this thing that's totally fulfilling to who you are as a person. So. That's how I feel about running, 
and among other things that are important to me. So um, I love that quote and hopefully that will uh, inspire other people. Very nice. Thank you. So Megan, you want to close us out? That's it for episode 47 of season three. Join us next time when we will be talking about foot troubles in our injury series. If you have any comments, you can email us at runnergirlspodcast at gmail.com, follow us at facebook.com slash runnergirlspodcast, or tweet to us at runnergirlshow on Twitter. All episodes will be available at runnergirlspodcast.com and on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Now go outside and run.